The following audio is from Life Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. For more information about our church, please visit lifebaptistchurch.com. I'm going to be needing a little audience participation this morning because I have a list of true and false questions here. So let's get the first one. The Christian life is not about religion. It's about relationship. True, wonderful. True or false, the Bible teaches that humanity was created for relationship, that sin separated that relationship, and that Jesus can reconcile that relationship. True, wonderful. True or false, everything God desires to do in and through your life, he will accomplish out of the overflow of your relationship with him. True, wonderful. You are all theologians in the making. So um, since you did so wonderfully with true and false, let me switch my testing method. Essay. Define that relationship. Practically speaking, give five ways in which a relationship differs from religion. How do you live out of the overflow of your relationship with God? You see, as Christians, we are trained to answer the black and white questions. Is God real? Yes. Is prayer good? Yes. Is relationship with God important? Absolutely. Define that relationship. You see, if we don't know how to define what we are so clear to say is important, it's not help to sinning. Today, we're going to begin a brand new message series entitled The Anatomy of Relationship. I know that's a strange sounding title, but here's the reason I chose it. Anatomy is defined as the structure of something, the internal workings of something, or a detailed analysis of something. In this series, I want us to study the essence, the structure, the internal workings of our relationship with God. I want us to explore relationship from God's perspective. So over the next five weeks, we are going to immerse ourselves in five verses. It's going to be Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And each week, we're going to come back to those exact same five verses, but we're going to approach them from a different angle. By the time we're finished, we're going to see the goal of the relationship, the motivation of the relationship, the nature of the relationship, the competition of the relationship, and the benefits of this relationship. Now, let me give you three reasons as to why I'm doing this series. First, everything. God desires to do in and through your life, he will accomplish out of the overflow of your relationship with him. Everything. Not some things, everything. I have been teaching that specific truth for the better part of 13 years. And I could teach that same truth for another 30 years. And if people don't know how to live out of the overflow of the relationship, we are informed, but we're frustrated. I want us to know what that looks like. Second, at the beginning of the year, I shared that our focus for 2018 is that all may know Christ and make him known. That's not only the vision of life, that is also our focus for 2018. And I've shared along the way that to know Christ is more than knowing about Christ. It's more than simply being saved, but rather it is a knowledge of Christ that is based on intimate personal contact. 
So because of that, I want us to explore throughout the course of this year what it really looks like to know Christ in different facets of our walk with God. What does it look like to know him in prayer? What does it look like to know him in trials? What does it look like to know him in suffering? What does it look like to know him in intimacy? I want us to explore this truth in depth over the course of 2018. Here's my third reason for doing this series. An abiding relationship with Jesus changes everything. Everything. I wish someone would have shared these truths with me when I first became a believer. Because I spent years, the first 10 years of my Christian life, wandering aimlessly. And if someone were to ask me, what are you doing? What is your goal in this Christian life? I would have said, my goal is two things. I want to do the right things, and I want to know more about God. That's basically what I would have said. I I, I want to do right, and I want to know more about God. And in every message that I heard, whether or not it's from a book or whether or not it's from the pulpit, when someone would say something like, you need to be a man of prayer, I would say, I'm going to be a man of prayer. Somebody would say, you need to share the gospel. I would say, I'm going to share the gospel. Someone would say, you need to give, you need to serve, you need to be kind, you need to love people, you need to be a man of character, you need to spend time with God, you need to engage God in worship, you need to have a pure heart, you need to take every thought captive, you need to memorize scripture, you need to study to show yourself approved to God, etc., etc., etc. And I tried. Week after week, month after month, I tried. I I wanted to do exactly what they said, and I wanted to do it with excellence. But here's what I became frustrated with. Over the course of time, I found that I could not consistently do what was right. And every bit of my knowledge of God just turned to pride. Neither one led to maturity. They led to frustration, and they led to pride. So, Deep inside, I knew there was something more. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to get to that. I hoped that somehow my doctrinal correctness would lead me into that answer. And here's what I discovered in hindsight. You can be doctrinally correct and spiritually deficient at the exact same time. All because you know truth doesn't mean you know how to apply the truth. It doesn't mean you know how to live that truth. That's why I'm doing the series, because I want to encourage every single person here to pursue that relationship with God and to know what it looks like to pursue that relationship with God. So I'm going to encourage you to be for, here for every single one of these messages. I, I cannot overemphasize what these messages can do to the person who is willing to say, I want to learn and I want to pursue that. I cannot encourage you enough. So today, if you feel that you have reached a spiritual plateau and you're just not growing anymore, this series is for you. If you feel burned out with the activities of the Christian life, you're not burned out with God, you're just burned out by the cycle of Christian activities, this series is for you. If you've been wandering aimlessly in your Christian life, not knowing what to do or where to turn or what to focus on, this series is for you. If you get glimpses sometimes that there's something more that you're missing, 
If there's flashes of inspiration that come at points in the message or points as you're reading scripture, if there's moments in worship that you're like, man, it's got to be so much more than just doing the Christian routine. If you are spiritually frustrated, if you're spiritually exhausted, if you're spiritually worn out, this series is for you. So that's a lot of hype. And if it doesn't come out right, I got nobody to blame but myself. So I invite you to go with me in your Bibles today to Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter three. We'll be in verses three through seven. I want to speak this morning on the subject, the goal of relationship. Philippians chapter three, verses seven through 11. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we get into this incredible text, and we're going to focus on it in depth over the next five weeks, God, would you give us incredible insight from your Spirit. Guide us into the truths that we need to know in order to experience the life you intend for us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Christian life is about relationship. And if I'm going to be even more specific, it would be the Christian life is about three essential relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with the church, and our relationship with the world. In this series, we're only going to focus on our relationship with God. Now, just as way of a little commercial break before we go any further, I also want you to know that it is when all three of those relationships, our relationship with God, the church, and the world is kept in proper balance that we experience the abundant life of John chapter 10, verse 10. Now, Later on this fall, we are currently writing it. Later on this fall, we're going to do an entire study that will be made available to you all on all three relationships. But for right now, we're going to focus on the most important, central one, that is our relationship with God. So whenever I say relationship, that means different things to different people. In fact, a lot of people receive that word relationship entirely different. In 2018, we talk about broken relationships dysfunctional relationships, codependent relationships, dominant relationships, long-term, short-term, close, distant, love, friendships, surface level, even online relationships. So because that word is used in so many different settings within our culture, it can be difficult for us to get our mind around what is the essence of our relationship with God. So for some people, they are immediately met with confusion whenever I say it's about relationships. Now, there's a whole other group of people that immediately experience fear when I say relationship. Because for them, they have only experienced a lot of broken, messed up relationships. So when I come out and I say, Christianity is about relationship, there's something inside of them that says, I hope not. 
because my track record's horrible with relationships. In fact, I, I've seen a few good ones, but I've seen a truckload of what not to do's. And so you're telling me that it's all about relationship, but I'm going to tell you, if you're saying, let's talk about dysfunctional, I could put on a clinic for dysfunctional relationships. I can describe that. I can tell you about some that are jacked up. And it's not only about other people because I know I got my own stuff to deal with. I've got my own problems. I know I'm hard to live with. In fact, sometimes I don't even know if I got a friend in Jesus because I'm that hard to live with. So when you tell me that the abundant Christian life is contingent on three relationships being kept in perfect balance, I'm thinking I'm sunk before we even get started. So if you're that bad with relationships... Just put your heart at ease. First, God knows our struggles and he knows our weaknesses. Second, he can do in you and through you and for you what you could never do for yourself. Our part is to trust him and to pursue him. So in the verses that I just read, the Apostle Paul gives us a glimpse into his relationship with God. He helps us to understand the dynamics of that relationship. He helps us to understand the goal of that relationship. And he helps us see how that relationship stayed vibrant and healthy. In the process, he shows us what he was doing wrong. And then he also shows us what he began to do right that completely transformed his life. All of it comes back to this one beginning foundational truth. One truth, I'm going to tell you, if you receive this truth and you pursue this truth for the rest of your life, it will allow you to experience a relationship with God that you only dreamed to be possible. Here's the one truth. It's in your notes. The goal of the relationship is to know Christ. The goal of the relationship is to know Christ. He says, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He goes on to say in verse number 10, that I may know him. Whether stated or unstated, everyone has a goal for their relationship with God. And often the goal we set is now the target we hit. For some people, the goal of their relationship is to know more about the Bible. And they become very knowledgeable of the Bible. For some people, the goal of their relationship is to try to be a better person. And they can make incremental steps towards being a better person. For some people, the goal of their relationship is just to get to heaven when they die. So for that person, it's like they they prayed a prayer right there. And it's like, all right, God, I will see you at death. I, I got out of this what I'm looking for. So Everyone has a goal within the relationship, whether it's stated or not stated, there is a goal in it. And the Apostle Paul tells us his goal. His goal is to know Christ. He says in verse number eight, more than that, I count all things, all things, all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. More than all that. What is all that? He tells us here in verses 4 through 6, more than his purity as a Jew, more than his heritage as an Israelite, more than his religious zeal, more than his prominence as a Pharisee, more than his own self-righteousness, he counted all of that 
to be a loss in view of the surpassing value, the, the extreme value, the greater value of knowing Christ Jesus. Now, the language in verse number eight is not that those other things just paled in comparison to knowing Christ. That would suggest that knowing Christ is just better. That, that's not what he's saying here. He says, I count all those things as loss. That is an accounting term. A loss is a negative. He's saying, when I was trusting in my heritage, in my accomplishments, in my self-righteousness to make me right with God and to bring me in relationship with God, he says, I was actually going the opposite direction of where I needed to go. It wasn't helping. It was taking me further away from the goal. He says, knowing Christ is the surpassing value. Now, the word knowing, it speaks of personal knowledge gained by contact. It's not the same as intellectual knowledge. It's gained by study. Any of us could go through and study facts and figures on someone. You can find out about where someone was born, what they like, what they don't like, where they work. You could do all of that, and you don't even have to have a relationship with that person. You just have to have a decent internet connection. So in this, he's not saying that I just want to know about Christ. That is intellectual knowledge gained by study. The word he uses here is that of knowing Christ, that is intimate knowledge gained by personal contact. And this is the other awesome thing. When he says in verse 10 that I may know him, the word know there, the verb tense that he uses is an ongoing, continuous action. It's not, I want to make his acquaintance at salvation and then go on and do something else. He's saying, I want to know him and keep on knowing him and keep on knowing him and keep on knowing him deeper and deeper and deeper with him. He's like, that's what I desire. That's what I want. So the goal of the relationship is to know Christ. How do we get to know Christ? This is in your notes. We get to know Jesus by spending time with Jesus where the focus is on Jesus. We get to know Jesus by spending time with Jesus where the focus is on Jesus. We get to know Jesus by spending time with Jesus where the focus is on Jesus. That's how you get to know anyone. You spend time with that person. You focus on that person. You all know, this is not in my notes, but it just jumped in my heart, so I'm going to throw it out there for you. Do you know one of the most annoying things about living in 2018 is the fact that you can't go sit down with someone without them pulling out a cell phone the whole time you're trying to have a conversation and they got a cell phone out. You, you can't get to know someone like that. You, you, you need there to be that personal contact. Get some eye contact. Hear their heart. Hear their desires. Get to know them. That's how you get to know anyone. So here's where the confusion has set into the church. And it doesn't have to be, but here's where the confusion has set in. By and large, the church has given a consistent yet unclear message. The consistent message has been, to be a good Christian, you need to read your Bible, pray, go to church, give of your resources, serve others, and share the gospel. In fact, most pastors would be thrilled to death if they had a church filled with people who would read their Bible, give of their resources, pray, serve others, give of their, their time, and get the gospel out. I mean, they would say, that is amazing. That's the type of church I want. But listen, the church has been unclear as to why 
you do those things. Without the why, we create independent goals and we pursue the wrong goals. So what's the goal? The goal is to know Christ. That's the goal of the relationship, is to know Christ. We are quick to say Christianity is about relationship, but then we're very quick to lead people right back into religion. Religion is spiritual activity apart from intimate relationship. We have to keep the goal and the activities together. It's the activities that help us accomplish the goal, but we need to know the goal. So what's the goal again? The goal of the relationship is to know Christ. Now watch how these stay together if we keep the goal in the right place. The goal is to know Jesus. Bible reading is a spiritual activity to help us know Jesus. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to humanity. So as we read his word, we get to know him. The goal is not Bible reading. The goal is to know Jesus. Bible reading enables us to know Jesus. The goal is to know Jesus. Prayer is a spiritual activity that enables us to communicate with God because there are no good relationships apart from communication. Prayer is not just a way of us getting what we need. Prayer is a conversation with God. So again, prayer is not the goal. The goal is to know Jesus. Prayer enables us to know Jesus more. The goal is to know Jesus. Confession of sin is a spiritual activity to address ongoing sin that interferes with our relationship with God. Sin blocks my view of God and it makes me feel awkward in his presence. So as I confess my sin, there is peace and there's joy that is reestablished within the relationship. The goal is to know Jesus. Fasting is a spiritual activity of temporarily forgoing food to spend more time focused on God. Fasting leads to a deeper knowledge of God. Listen, all of the disciplines of the Christian life, study, prayer, fasting, service, simplicity, submission, solitude, meditation, confession, worship, celebration, guidance are about being with God where the focus is on God so that we might know God and that he might live more fully through us. But if we miss the goal, we make 12 independent goals. And you can read your Bible every day and still walk away with a lot of knowledge and still not knowing God. You can give of your resources and I'm grateful. I am. But at the end of the day, if it is not an act of worship in your heart that helps you to see that it's a part of the reflection of Christ as he was a giver, this is just a way in which he's living through us through giving. If we miss those connections, we are engaged again in religious activity apart from relationship. We have to keep the goal and the activities united together. Otherwise, we make every single activity an independent goal and we miss the big goal. Now, that does not mean that the spiritual disciplines are not important. They are incredibly important. It just means they are intended to help us know Christ so that he might live more fully through us. Now, how do we know that knowing God or knowing Christ is the goal? I mean, there's a lot of information in this Bible. How do we know that's the goal? Here's the way. 
Because the entire storyline of the Bible is about relationship. Not activity, not religion, not a to-do list of spiritual disciplines. It's about relationship. You all have heard me say this many times, but here it is again. Humanity was created for relationship. Our sin separated us from that relationship. There is nothing that we could do to reconcile the relationship. But Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. He rose from the dead on the third day that we might experience life. And he offers eternal life, otherwise known as a reconciled relationship, to those who repent of their sin by placing faith in Christ. That's a storyline about relationship. If you'll remember, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift that God is wanting to give is that of eternal life. And in John 17, 3, Jesus defined eternal life in this way. This is eternal life. That they may know you. It's relationship. We were created for relationship. Sin separated the relationship. Jesus reconciled the relationship. The storyline is relationship. Have you ever been in a job you really did not enjoy? <laughs> Some of you are like, I am there right now. This message is for me, Paul. You, you set it up front. This is for me. All right, well, just think about it like this. Let's say you're in a job that you don't care for. It, it's never been something that has kind of sparked your passion and excitement. You've done the job because you don't have another option in front of you right now. You've done the job because you know you need to provide for yourself or provide for your family. So you do it, but there's not enthusiasm. There's not passion in that. Many days it feels like you are a square peg being pressed through a round hole because the job just doesn't fit you. When you look around you, you see a bunch of other workers going through the same thing, and none of them seem to have passion about that job either. People just keep doing the job because they know they need to do something, and they don't have anything else right now that they're able to do. And the whole time they're thinking to themselves, God, either change my attitude about this or give me another job. Any, can anybody relate to that? Okay, that is exactly the feeling you get when you were created for a relationship with God and you have settled for religion. You do it because you don't know what else to do. You do it, but there's no excitement. There's no passion. You feel like a square peg getting pressed through a round hole every day. When you look around you, you see other Christians doing the same thing, and they don't look any more excited or passionate than what you do. And you just keep going through the same motions because you think it's at least close to the right thing. And God, would you either give me a passion for this or help me see a different path? That's where Christians are at. I, I've been a pastor for 20 years. I've been a Christian for 24 years. And our churches are filled, filled with well-meaning Christians who they have had a, a, an encounter with Jesus Christ. They entered a relationship with him. And yet along the way, they've been told to be a good Christian, you need to do this, 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 and this. And no one told them why. They just told them, you got to do this. So now they're trying to do it. But they try to do it in their own strength. 
They're trying to say, I'm going to be a good Christian, so I need to do this. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray. I need to serve. I need to go. And before you know it, they get so overwhelmed with the activity, and they get so frustrated because they can't do it to the level they want to do it, that many times they just begin to give up and coast. And they just, they're no longer asking God, what do I do? The passion's gone. They just coast. And now they look out and there's 30 years, 40 years maybe before you enter eternity. If you're lucky and you look out and you're like, is this it? I just get up for the rest of my life and I show up in a building on a Sunday and we sing some songs and I hear a Bible. I've, I've read this Bible. I've heard these messages. Is that it? Do I just go to another discipleship class now? I mean, I've done experiencing God 38 times. I guess 39 might be the answer. There's only so many times you can do Financial Peace University before you're like, all right, Dave Ramsey, it's okay. I won't put anything else on credit anymore. I mean, it's like, where, where does the passion go? But do you remember what it was like when you met Jesus for the first time? All you knew at that time is you were lost and he saved you. And it didn't matter whether or not it was a cat, a person, or a tree. You were going to testify, Jesus changed me. What happened in your life? I don't know. All I know is I was lost and now I'm found. And there was a passion that was there. And somewhere along the way, religion sucks the passion out and replaces it with activity. Listen, when people rediscover the passion of walking in an intimate relationship with God, you don't have to beg people to give. They give out of the overflow of a passionate heart. When people experience intimacy with God, you don't have to beg them to serve because their Savior modeled service. And as He lives through them, the only reasonable thing to do is to submit yourself to God and let Him serve through you. But it's not somebody going through and saying, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do that. Guilt only goes so far. Legalism will kill the Christian life. So what do you do? You look at the goal again. The goal of the relationship is to know Christ. If you get that one piece in place, that one piece, it begins to change everything else around you. Whenever the goal becomes about knowing him, you'll have those times when you're in a service and instead of it just being a glimpse of something greater, you'll get a statement or two of something greater. Instead of it just being a line or a moment in a worship song, all of a sudden you're like, man, that thing's about knowing him. And there's something inside that begins to resonate. And when it does, It's like the Spirit of God whispers through the activity and the mundane stuff of Christianity. And he says, you were made for more than that. I put you on this planet that you might know me. That when that happens, there is a freshness restored to your life. A freshness restored to your intimacy with him. But it begins by knowing the goal. If you know the goal and you're willing to pursue the goal, it'll change your life. So what does that look like as you leave? Here it is. Whenever you're focused on the goal, first thing I would encourage you to do is to go before God and simply say, God, I want to know you. 
And God, I am incredibly forgetful. So tomorrow, if you don't remind me of the goal, I'm going to pursue something else. So every day for the rest of my life, would you remind me, my goal is to know you. My goal is to know you. And God, when I open your word, would you help me not just to read information, but may I begin to see you in the pages of Scripture. As you reveal yourself, may I get to know you, God. As I pray, may I hear your voice not just a list of everything I want, but may I hear your voice as you are speaking because this is communication. It's not just monologue. It's dialogue back and forth with him. And you submit yourself and you say, God, I want to know you. I don't know what that's going to entail. I just want to know you. Here's what I can promise you. A disciple who seeks to know God will always be met with a God who desires to be known. Just seek him. Pursue him. It'll be amazing how God begins to fill the pieces in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we know, God, that there is an incredible opportunity for us to know you. You did not create us so that we could be enslaved in the chains of religion. You created us that we might know you, that we might be in relationship with you. So God, we need you to do in us and through us and for us what we could never do for ourselves. God, we need you to help us know what it even looks like to pursue a life of knowing you. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.